as we touch on topics that are in, for inclusivity, diversity, and all of the above. Uh, I'm going to let my co-hosts introduce themselves because I'm not a jerk that way. But I am Will. I'm going to pass it on over. <laughs> well, my goodness, we love it. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey, one of the other divergents here on this amazing podcast. I am the young one of the group, so I'm going to be giving you a lot of hot takes. That that should be fun. But I'm going to pass it over to our other co-host to give his introduction. And welcome. I am co-host numero tres, the nerdy Puerto Rican. And I am here with, with Will and Mikey. And we are going to be talking about diversity stuff with you. So, good gents. Where do we want to start off with? First, I want to say I love the fact that this is like a, if people can't see it, obviously, because it's a podcast, but it's like an Oreo cookie. Are you- I'm like the white stuffing between two chocolate wafers. And I love that. I love that, truly. So we're very inclusive here. Hey, hey, <laughs> we do try to run a PG show. We like to have fun here. <laughs> Just an observation. Like Just an observation. <laughs> so what's our topic for the night? I think the starting it's- topic was Mikey. Mikey's our starting topic? Okay, let's Mikey's talk about Mikey. Mikey. <laughs> yes, I love it when people talk about me. No, I'm just kidding. No. So our topic, at least our beginning topic for tonight is Adolfo on the last episode. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out because it's a great time. But Adolfo brought up a very good point when we were talking about just the backlash of a lot of current pop culture moments that were going on and how fan bases can be. And he brought up a good point of using the example of Pitbull. Why we within our own marginalized communities feel that we have to, or we are obligated to support the work of name it musicians, artists, actors, theater, like whatever the topic may be and why we feel obligated within our own marginalized communities to have to support said artists. Even if we personally feel that objectively they are, their work, their body of work is not the greatest and or we think them as a person is trash. <laughs> okay. So the simple answer to that is, is you don't. That's the podcast, everyone. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> now, there's a much more complicated answer. Simple answer. To you. And it's absurd, and I'm sorry, but it's absurd for a large group of whomevers to say you have to like these people because they are just like you. That is absurd. I'm sorry. We're all human beings. We all like and dislike different things. So you're not going to, you can't, you can't force me to something I don't. And I'm not going to support something that I don't like. Now I'm like, good for you, whatever. But if it was a gay artist, because being a gay man, if it was a gay songwriter, he wrote a song and I'm saying, okay, not my time. That's not my vibe, not my style. I can be like, hey, good for you. I don't like your music. But yay for you being a gay dude and singing songs and people loving that. But I don't have to like it. And I think that people coming at people because they're like, oh, you, you know, that's a gay man. You should like their music. I'm like, why? I can support them and be supportive of their careers without having to like their music or their art or their whatever. No, you do not have to like it. I'm sorry, you don't. You can support it. And I'm not going to speak for the beautiful brown boys that are on this podcast with me because that's that would be very white of me. But I, there are plenty of artists out there that I don't like their stuff. Doesn't mean I don't say good on you. Get out there and 
get your fan base and get your crazy content on. Absolutely. I don't have to like you. I can support you without liking what you do. So that's all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll let everybody. I'll let my dogs out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? Well, it was totally me. I fully agree. Just because you are just because you are this means that you have to like this or that. And we just woke up. Hang on. Oh. While we take that short intermission, I'll give my thoughts real quick. It's I have nothing new to add as far as what Will has said. But the just from the cultural perspective and a more societal perspective too, I don't and we can get into it tonight, but just the pressure that is put on just because I don't have to support this and you telling me that I have to just makes me not want to do it any further. Like, why do I have to listen? And this is a hot take. So I'm going to bring up the example Adolfo brought up last episode with Pitbull. I think Pitbull is a very smart businessman. I love the representation with the Uvas representing Miami and his Cuban heritage and all that. I was a fan of his, like towards the beginning of his career. And then he got smart and decided to make like generic, like hip hop party songs that get played at all the school dances and all the parties. Not my cup of tea, especially where I'm currently at in my life at this given age of 29 years old, but I will support him to a certain extent. But the fact that people tell me, no, you have to support everything. I was like, no, I don't have to. I'm going to call it as I sees it. My belief is that any work of art that is put out into the public has the right to criticism. And if I'm not allowed to criticize even within my own peoples, then what's the point? I'm like, I'm allowed to criticize. I'm allowed not to like the things you are. Just don't pressure me into doing so. Otherwise, it's going to be worse. And then we're listen. If you don't like me, we gonna you can fight me. That's what we're going to put. But yeah, that that's my initial thoughts. But we'll get into more of that as we go on with this episode tonight. Yeah, give, give me one more second. I got to go to get a pacifier. You're, you're fine. You're fine. And I know that there's a lot of pressure on the POC communities to strongly support one another in this time and age. But sometimes I think that gets in the way because we're we're so like, let's be united. And of course, this is coming from a white man. But it's that idea of we're so united. We have to be so united. We have to like the same things, dislike the same things. We have to this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you're, it's a disservice to, to your group. Because you're basically trying to turn everybody into the same thing. And therefore, you have no diversity in your group any longer. It's all, dare I say, white. It is. It's very whitewashed. You're whitewashing your own groups. Stop it. (laughs) Embrace your differences. Embrace that you can, like I said, you can like what you like and dislike what you dislike. doesn't mean you don't support Hispanic or Latinx or Black or Asian LGBTQI. It doesn't say you don't support the artists. You just don't like the music. And that's okay. Like I said before, I can support gay, lesbian, trans artists and not like their music. It's okay. But I support them because I want them to be successful. That's just me as a human being. I want all human beings to be successful. So get out there and do your thing. And I'll support you. But you may produce paintings I have no interest in. Of course, I'm not a visual artist to begin with. But I don't 
it's wrong to try to force people into the same mold. It's wrong to try to create this quote unquote unified group by making people say, by telling people you have to like the same things, you have to dislike the same thing. That's, we all have different appetites. We look at food. I don't like onions, but I know a lot of people who do. So I don't hate them because they don't like, because they like onions and I don't. So what's the deal, dudes and dudettes? Yeah, I and I think that both those two points do really hit the nail on the head. That you don't have to like all the things, but still not support them to be successful. I think, at least, I what I have felt a lot of in, in my experience has been a lot of a lot of shaming, a lot of shaming from. I'm going to give you two examples. A lot of the shaming that I have experienced has been shaming as in, oh my God, you're Puerto Rican and you don't like daddy Yankee. They're from the island. You're from the island. You should, you need to support each other. And I don't, I'm not a big reggaeton fan. Like every once in a while it's okay, but it's just the same. And like me personally, I don't like it. But does that mean that I don't want Daddy groups like Daddy Yankee or other reggaeton acts to, to, to fail? No. Does that mean that I don't support artists, small artists that are coming up from the island and that's, that is the avenue that they're choosing? No. I just don't reggaeton and it, does, it, it doesn't make me any less Hispanic because I don't, or any less Puerto Rican because I don't like it. And then the other shame is, and I get this a lot with my nerdy my my nerdy likes uh, liking dungeons and dragons and and a star trek it's a lot of people of color they're like that's a white thing why why can't you go why don't you do something like us colored folk do i don't know but like why are you wasting your time doing that spending time with those white folk which then in turn turns into you're more white than than or Hispanic or whatever. And I feel that every group, be it race or group, feel that there's a bit of that type of juxtaposition. <laughs> Thank you. I feel there's a bit of that going on with all these groups. You see, here, here I am yeah. trying to pull out the $5 word on a $2 mouth. Like we had talked a few weeks ago, like in Star Trek, it seems like if you can like this Star Trek, but you can't like this Star Trek because mm-hmm. if you like this Star Trek, then you're not a real Star Trek fan. Yeah. Or Star Wars. If you like this Star Wars, you can't like this Star Wars because you can't like this Star Wars because then you're Star it's, it's Why? Funny thing about that real quick. This is completely, technically it's off topic, but not really. I'm not a big fan of Star Wars. I'm not. But I love The Mandalorian. I absolutely love that show. And I like, will I will watch it as long as they keep putting it on television, but I don't like, I'm not a big fan of Star Wars. I don't hate it. I'm not a big fan of it. But I do love all the tertiary shows that they've built around it. Yeah. Like Andor. I just started watching Andor. It's fantastic. But going back on topic, though, it's, you say that, you said, you mentioned something earlier that reminded me of something that happened in one of the classes. And there was a there was an African American girl who was brilliant. She was on point. I think she graduated with four point And the African American boys in the class used to pick on her, and I had to call them out. Hey guys, stop! 
knew it. And I would hear them in the hallway just razzing her about her being, quote unquote, too white. Like, why are you being so white, is what they would say. And they were referring to her intelligence, just the thing that irritated me. It's like, that idea that being a POC, a person of color, and being intelligent is a bad thing. That if you're too smart, then you're being white. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know how many white people I know that are not intelligent? There's a lot of them. And I'm like, but I don't pare them down. And you shouldn't be tearing down people. You should be striving to be just like them. Because you boys are, like, failing my class. <laughs> so I, that's the idea. There's that. And I think it relates to what you were saying earlier about, oh, you like too much of that, so you're being too white. Or, and I've heard it the opposite, too. I have a good friend who is from Brazil, originally. And he loves, and I kid you not, loves gangster rap. Loves it. I have never in my life... He loves it. And he listens to it. That's all he listens to. And someone was like, why are you trying to be black, dude? And he's like, what are you talking he's, he's like, I'm not trying to be black. I'm, I like this music. I like it. And I'm just like, and that reminds, that's that. It's like, why do we have to, why do I have to only like white artists? Why is that? Because let me tell you, I love me some like Whitney Houston, Tim Turner, let me tell you, she's, Tina Turner is the only woman in the entire world that I would go straight for. I love Gloria Estefan. Of course, this I'm aging myself, but I love. Why do I have to like only white artists? Why? Oh, how you can't like Whitney Houston because you're white. What? I mean, that that's dumb. That's dumb. Truly. And the sooner I think that people in general, and I'm not talking colors and things, races and that sort of thing. I'm talking about people in general need to pull their heads out of their asses and understand that you can like something and yet dislike something. And it's okay. And stop trying to put everybody in a box. You don't like, you don't like Pitbull. You don't like Pitbull. Big deal. But you can simply seriously sit there and say, I hope his all of his endeavors turn out because I want him to be successful. I just don't like his music. What's wrong with that? So I guess one one question to like ponder upon is where I know buddy is by the way, I have my newborn in, oh, in my so cute. and I'm trying to rock him to bed and he's just kind of like so cute. He's so I, I know that viewers can't see this, but it's quite comical. Anyway, I think one a good a good thing to try to figure out is like, where do these boxes come from? There, there has to be some, and I'm sure there's numerous reasons, but like, why are these boxes? Why have these boxes been built and built so strongly that they seem to? I don't want to say dictate, but they they steer a lot of, of this conversation. I'm gonna leave you with that, and I'm gonna go get another bottle. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I know, it's so adorable. <laughs> so I think, you know, that with that question and thing, why do these boxes exist? With human beings, we compartmentalize. That's what we do. We put things in boxes because it helps us maintain our daily lives. We all do it in minuscule ways by making like lists. The lists is a big compartmentalization tool. I'm going, okay, I need to go to Walmart for these things. I need to go to for these things. I need to go here for this thing. And I think that also 
I don't know how to word this. I think boxes, I think boxes are safe. And I think people put themselves in boxes because they feel safe there. Now, you do have those who I think force people into the boxes. And those are the people that are, one, Zionistic. And every group has them. The brown folks have them, the black folks have them, the white folks have them, the yellow folks have them. Everybody has those, what I like to call Zionists. They're the fringe element. They're the ones that make the most noise. They're the ones that are always picked up on media. The news is always talking about them. And I always say that the minority always screws it up for the majority. Because these guys are usually, literally, it's like 12 guys in a room going, hey, how can we stir crap up today? Oh, I know. Let's talk about this, that, and the other. And I think that boxes, and and again, boxes aren't necessarily a bad thing when you're using them for yourself. But when you try to put a whole race of people in a box, you got some issues. And we see it in all these movements. They're like, we need to do this thing. Everybody come together and let's do this thing. And that's cool. Because you need sometimes you need social disobedience, absolutely. But then you start dictating what people can say and what they can't say, what they can and can't do. So then it becomes like an exclusive little club. So I think the idea of boxes is not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that it's a misused thing. For those who wish to get rich off the sweat of the people that they are quote-unquote leading. Yeah. So something that you touched upon with your example of your one particular student, like from my personal experience, because one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From my personal experience is very weird because I have a dual dichotomy granted, just like any other marginalized group. And as a minority of I had my fair share of experience of not so nice white people and prejudices and racisms and things like that. My case is also very interesting, too, because like even you have your own prejudices in your own marginalized group, like people within your own group who are prejudiced against you for some odd reasons. And for me and my younger brother, it's very interesting because so just a real quick background on my genealogy. So I'm 100 percent Latino, Hispanic, but I am Mexican and Puerto Rican because my mom is Mexican. My dad is Puerto Rican. So. Full on Latin culture, but two different sides of the North American territory, as you will. It's so difficult when we go visit family in Mexico or in Puerto Rico, just because there's this underlying, I guess it's a norm in some cultures. Basically, me and my brother are seen as half breeds because we're not like, so to give a little bit of context, like in certain Latin cultures, because I don't want to generalize with all, but in some Latin cultures, especially when it comes to Mexican and Puerto Rican culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not 100% of one. So like in Mexico, if you're not 100% Mexican, like pure blooded, and I use that in air quotes. In Mexico, me and my brother are seen as half breeds because we're half Puerto Rican. And then when we go to parts of Puerto Rico, we're also seen as half breeds because we're not 100% Puerto Rican. So it. It doesn't bother me as much as it did when I was younger, but I was like, damn, I was just like, I'm just as brown. Like, I understand the struggle. I've had my I've faced my own struggles 
And I was like, I've already get it enough from regular society. Why do I got to get it from my own people? But the one thing that bothers me, and this goes back to your student, at the time of this recording, I am currently in school. I'm earning my master's degree in education. So I'm trying to get a master's degree. It's been a lot of work, but I'm trying to better myself because that's something I want to do. Eventually, before the time I die, I would like to earn my doctorate's degree. We'll see where that goes. I have a I'm not going to mention names, but I have a colleague that I work with who is also Poodle Brown Mexican, like 100 percent. Like I thought we was cool until we started talking about this. And then just to feel demeaned and devalued and made fun of in the sense, because I want to educate myself as, oh, you don't need a master's degree. Why are you trying to be white? I'm like, bro, I was like, I already get it enough from everybody else. I don't need you, the person I'm working with, to tell me this crap, too. And like I said, I have a thick skin, but like having that conversation, I was like cracked my armor a little bit and it seeped in a little bit. I was like, holy shit. And it just brought back a lot of feelings of inadequacy and started to second guess myself. I was like, damn, like, then why am I doing this for if all that kind of stuff? Granted, I don't feel that way anymore. But it goes back to this cultural and societal thing. It's like boxes are safe. But whenever you personally want to step outside of that box, it becomes such a hard fight to stay outside of that box because everyone wants to throw you back in. It's exhausting. Oh, yeah. Let's get back in your box. What are you doing outside of your box? You can't exist anywhere except in your box. It's like, why can't I exist in somewhere else? You can, damn it. You can. What's in the box? What's in the box? I'm in the box. And now I'm out of the box. <laughs> now we're out of the box. We don't need to be in the box anymore. Yeah. Yes. When did educated become something so bad? And it's not just in, it's not just in like the Latin communities or the black communities. It's in the white communities too. I can't tell you how many times I see these young people come through my classrooms and I'm just like, you are brilliant. Why are you so, why are you so scared? To let people know that, I will tell you this, and this kind of relates to what you're talking about. It's I'm going to take our soccer team, for instance, here at our college. They're, for the most part, they're all from Latin countries, for the most part. And I was talking to a colleague of mine, this was like last semester, and she was telling me about one of her students who was on the soccer team, and a couple of the, a few of the soccer players were in her class, and she'd teach a speech. And she would come to me, and she's like, oh, this kid is, like, amazingly smart and i was like oh that's fantastic he's articulate and he's like on top of things and he gets he turns his work in on early and he this that and i'm like that's fantastic he's but then his soccer buddies like razz him for it and then he acts a fool and i'm like what she's they come in and they razz him for getting his work done and being a top student and then he just turns on and be and like turns on the stupid and i'm like that is so sad to me as an educator, not as a white person, but as an educator <laughs> to watch that. And that's a cultural thing. And I'm not talking necessarily like Latin culture. I'm talking like sports culture in the idea that you can't be smart and be an athlete. But what's that? That I don't understand at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've heard different examples of that story. A lot of times where, heck, when, when I was in the Marines, I remember I was 
stationed with a guy who loved opera and he loved to sing opera, but he, he would do it on the down low. And the reason why he would do it on the down low is because most of the guys in our unit, when they would hear him sing, they would start like making fun of him. Yeah. And then he'd be like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just playing. Uh. And then he'd like fart and everyone would yeah. laugh and they're taking fart jokes all around. Hoorah. But like when I caught him by himself, that's the explanation that he said is that he wants to fit in. He, and it's, it's that, that fear. Which it's shame on the group as a whole for not garnering the type of environment that you, that someone would feel comfortable enough being that part, especially in that type of situation. We were, this was when we were deployed out in Bosnia during the Bosnia conflict. And we were like, we you can't get any closer than guys that you go into battle with. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there are other ways that you can get closer, but like, yeah, that's, that's, it's just really, it was sad that he had to like really hide that bit of him. But yeah, it's sad when that, when that happens because of the group that they want to feel part of, they don't, they feel like they can't really be themselves to be, part of that group no it's tough granted in one point in all of our young adolescents lives and whenever that was we felt that need to want to be a part of something (laughs) and that's just with the general aspects of things like i don't know if the world is ready to talk about it too but like that also that kind of mentality also takes place like with the more serious topics so I'm about to say something i do want to give a blanket statement so i'm going to be using my own personal experience for it but I don't want listeners to take this as a representation of the entire whole, but like this mentality of you have to act a certain way, or if you have to talk a certain way, it also delves it into the more deeper stuff too. Like I can only speak from my experience, like when it comes to the issues of like mental health, especially in the Hispanic population. And just when it comes to the talks of mental health, Across, and again, this is just a generalization. Thankfully, my experience with it in my own household has been wonderful and I've had supportive parents, but I have seen some other things that kind of go with this. Like within, especially within the Hispanic culture, as a male, you're supposed to be this full life brutal model and you don't have feelings and you, it hurt a lot. I mean, we all struggle. We have our good days. We have our bad days. And for me... Not too long ago, I was in a rut. And of course, I uh, thankfully, I have a job and everything that allows me medical benefits and I can go see, get counseling and therapy and all that stuff for these certain and address my mental health issues. But it's so difficult to talk about it within my own subset, like population, because you're told you don't have feelings, especially as a Latino male, you're not supposed to have feelings. Feelings are for women. It's like you. You don't talk about these things. You just bottle it up and you push through because you're supposed to provide. I was just like, I tried that. I had a, I burnt out. I hit rock bottom. So no, thanks. I'm good. I'm going to be the weirdo. I'm going to go talk to somebody about my feelings, process my mental health, get the help that I need. And it's so, it's so difficult and it's already tough enough with mental like seeking professional mental health to help you with these things is so stigmatized, not just in a marginalized community, but across all the board. This is, I'm trying to take care of myself. This is, I need to do what's best for me. And 
It's tough because then it goes off as I need somebody to talk to. But if I talk to you about it, then I don't need all I don't need all the extraness that comes with it. I just need you to sit there. I just need you to listen. I don't need you to tell me that I'm not allowed to express my feelings. I'm a human being. Damn it. That's how I was built. But yeah, yeah, it's tough. That that, that stigma is real. Yeah, I definitely empathize with that. It's real across the board because I dealt with it, too. I deal with it. I had a dad who was military, who in my younger years was very much men don't cry, men don't show emotion. You don't you don't say I love you to people. You don't. It's handshakes, not hugs and things like that. And I knew I, of course, I knew I was different. And I was like, that's dumb. So I didn't really, I didn't conform to it. And then later in the later years, my dad, he smoothed out. He got to the point where he would hug us and he would say he loved us and things like that. And because he came from a family of 13 boys, basically, I think they had one sister. And so it was all boys. And my grandfather was very much men don't cry, men don't do this, men don't do that. He's old world. He was old world. So it's that way across the board. I think you find a lot of that. I'm not saying every man's like that because they're not, but it's out there. I mean, it's especially in the South. The South is just nasty about it. I mean, they're just, it's just, which I don't get. I guess it's because I was always different. So I get that. I get that as well. I totally understand it. And it sucks because it's like, it's not who I am. It's part of who I am because I'm from the South, and but it's not who I am. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who's not going to hug you. I'm, I'm going to say I love you. And I'm going to say it's like, I'm a sensitive human being. So everything that my dad didn't want me to be is exactly what I am at the time. And that's okay. I used to hate it about myself. I used to hate the fact that I was so sensitive. I did. Hated it. But now I'm like, oh, I'm sensitive. I literally will cry at running water. And I'm okay with that. Truly. I'm okay with it. Because it's just who I am. You're here. here. So I get mental mental health issues. I get all that. I get the idea of that. And and again, that goes back to when we were talking about stereotypes. The idea that Hispanic men have to be, this is what a Hispanic man is. We all have, we all, we have those misconceptions because, and I think it comes from your cultures. The fact that you guys, men in your culture are like, oh, we have to be this way. We have to be there. And so us in the white culture are like, that's a Hispanic man. That machismo, that don't hug people, don't say I love you. Emotions are held inside. I think that, and I think we all create, and again, Going to boxes again. Every box basically creates its own mythos. It's like you look at like black women, for instance. Black women are always like seen as aggressive. Yeah. Bitches be crazy. And I have tons of black female friends who are not that way at all. I mean, they can become that, but they are not that. <laughs> they are so not that. And but that is created inside that box. And, it, and us on the other side, us in the white box, and you guys over in the brown box, are seeing what's going on in the black box. And we're like, ooh, they're crazy. And it's so, we take those stereotypes and we make them bigger. So the white folks over here see the Latin version of men and we make it bigger. I don't know if that's what that is. I don't know if that's out of 
fear or just plain stupidity or what that we create these overblown stereotypes of other groups. People, white people have those as well. People make stereotypes about white people all the time. They truly do. We do it all over the place. So the idea that all Hispanic men are supposed to be that, I denounce that because I know so many Hispanic and Latin men that are not that at all. And of course, they may have grown up in a family that was very nurturing or whatever that is. And I don't know because I can't speak to it because I obviously was not raised in a Hispanic home. But the two of you, I don't don't see that. I would never in my wildest dreams, when I first met you guys, I never would have been like, ooh, (laughs) look at these guys, these Hispanic men and their machismo and being all Hispanic-y. It's... And... I can't, and I can only speak of my experience because I don't want to speak for Adolfo, but it's such an interesting dichotomy for me because especially when, like for instance, as a quote unquote content creator and trying to do fun things and projects and things in this tabletop community space, like for me personally, and I actually had this conversation with my own mother not too long ago about this, like just, I don't know why it came up, but it just did. For me, it's such a weird balancing act in trying to, on the one hand, I'm trying to promote my projects that I'm doing, but when, I don't want to say like I put on, but I have to be very cognizant of how I present myself on a public platform. So I'm, oh, I always have to think of this as like, how am I speaking? How am I acting? How are people going to perceive me? How are all these kinds of things? And again, I can't speak for everyone's experiences, but it gets exhausting to try to when I have to be cognizant of these things that I should. And why can't I just put out content and people who like it and people who don't don't. But then I also have to be very careful because the stuff that and how I present myself and the things I present out, I have to act and speak in a way that I'm not perpetuating, giving any wiggle room for people to start perpetuating stereotypes of what they see and it's like this person's like this and that it's exhausting it really is i want to be me but i also can't give wiggle room to people to make that generalized assumption based on what they present so i have to be very careful of how i present myself to the public and it gets exhausting it really does and it sucks it does Uh, i agree with you on the uh, I guess maybe on the opposite side of that spectrum. I'm a performer. I do Renaissance fairs and um, so cool by the way. <laughs> thank you. That's uh, so cool and, by the way. <laughs> it truly is. The group that I perform with, the Lords of Adventure, the character that I perform, Diego de la Fiesta, he is he I yeah, I dug deep and there are a bunch of those Hispanic Latino male stereotypes that I really lean into, which to be fair, I feel that a lot of performers for a lot of roles, there are certain stereotypes for that character that they probably lean into make that character pop to make that character resonate with the audience. And with my character, Diego de la Fiesta, he is outgoing. He is bombastic. He is, he is whipped and he is fucking exhausting. Let me tell you, I, after my last gig, after the North Dakota 
Renaissance Fair. After that gig, man, I was, I don't want to say burnt, <laughs> but like I yeah. was just exhausted. exhausted. Like I did, I did not like to tap in and to run with that type of, with that type of long was just fucking exhausting, man. Yeah. That like I, when I got home and I think that's why I've, another reason why I've cut down so much from social media and all that is just because putting so much of that out there it leaves you so empty oh yeah oh yeah and i just i don't the people that do it on a day-to-day basis like i can see why behind closed doors they 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 either drink or resort to drugs or or what have you because like it's yeah it's borderline unhealthy oh it is you know what I mean? Especially when um, you have to do it constantly every day of your life. Yeah. Putting on that's oof. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah. Boxes. Don't get locked don't into a box. No. Don't no boxes. No. Boxes. I do have a question to if we can shift gears here. Good Ooh. sir. I am I guess what the kids are calling a cis male. Is that the right terminology? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So, if, so the psychology major here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So if the psychology major. Well, I mean, referring, male. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So Adolfo, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, using the correct lingo, Adolfo would identify as a cis hetero male. So heterosexual, cisgender, biologically male. Yes. And for all the listening audience, there is a difference between s- b- sex and gender identity, but we'll discuss yes. that in another episode. Be but another episode. Uh, yes, that'll be another. So episode. I would be, I would be a cis gay male. Yep, yeah. and then I, I would be your I'm residential. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I would be your cis bisexual male. <laughs> as, as, as the resident cis heterosexual male. <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, uh, can I have some help with that? So where do you want to start? <laughs> so what it is like? Okay, why so it is. I, I so I guess why it me, is there's certain. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the one that that that's right at the top of my head. In the most recent iteration of Voltron, the character he wasn't called Sven. What was his damn name? Oh man, he he was the team captain and he piloted the black lion give me one second editing mikey this is your reminder to edit this so i don't sound like this. so i don't sound like a complete tool it's all good oh man this is gonna be spicy i can't wait this ooh. is this the voltron legendary defender that we're talking about yes voltron legendary defender so it is fen it is yeah. yeah yeah oh okay it was fen all right or i'm Google sorry they changed his name to Taka- Takashi Shiro, Shiro, but so Shiro in Voltron Legendary Defender. So his character was gay, right? And as I watched the show, I personally thought that it was, at least to me, like a true good depiction of of a gay man in the military, and because because he was gay and his partner and him and his partner they were in the military, and there weren't a lot of episodes that really focused on on that and 
And later on, I've read and found out that that character was considered to be queer baiting to which, yeah. So I'm like, so I'm confused as to what. Okay. There are, okay. There's two forms of queer baiting. There are, there's the one you're talking about, which is, oh, we're going to put a gay character in here, which will draw, which will attract all the gay people to our show, but we won't really do a lot of gay stuff with them. But we'll do that one or two things so people know they're gay. That is, that's that. And that infuriates me. But it also, I'm like, being gay is not all I am. So it's not like if you were to follow me around in my life, everything I do every day is gay, gay. It's not that. It's not. And it, it, another example would be in the, the new Star Trek films, the Kelvin timeline films, where they, we saw Sulu's husband and daughter. Right. At the, was it Yorktown or whatever the big colony was? Yeah. And I thought that was lovely because that was just them because with George Takei, they really wanted to tie that in. So they're like, here you go. Sulu was gay the whole time. Yeah. So that one, to me, that's not considered, I don't consider that queer baiting. Now, if you're creating a show and you put a gay character in there and you do one thing, that shows that he's a gay character or two things, two or three things, but then you never see anything else as a gay man. When you walk through life, you see an attractive man. You look at that's part of who you are. It's oh, just like straight men. They look, see an attractive woman. They go, Oh, she's gorgeous. And so if you don't doing things like that, like truly making this character a gay character, because you have straight characters that refer to things all the time in these shows. So that to me is gay baiting. Now, the other gay baiting is when a straight man pretends to be gay and does gay stuff to get a gay following. And he's not actually gay. That drives me insane. Like, truly. Because it's like, why are you leading? And my community is the worst. It is. (laughs) Because, honestly and truly, they don't care. For the most part, they're like, he's an attractive man and I'm going to, I don't care what, if he's straight or gay or what, I'm going to watch what he does. Okay, fair. That's fair. And, but I'm very much, yes, but he's doing those things just to get your attention. He's, and in his essence, he's leading you on. You'll never get anything from him. And I only see this, honestly, I've only seen it. And of course, I don't watch a lot of lesbian anything, but I only see this like with gay men or with straight men for gay men. I never see straight women do it. Not really. And that's irritating. Not that straight women aren't doing it, but because it's just like these straight, these cis hetero white boys mostly are, they're like jacked and ripped and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to walk around with my shirt off and my gray sweatpants so you can see everything. And I'm going to do like suspiciously gay things. But not really. I'm going to pretend to kiss my best friend, who's a dude. But we don't really kiss. But we're, pr- And then the camera stops. And you're just like, you're trash. <laughs> you are trash. And I'm just like, don't get me wrong. I like sifting through the videos on TikTok and whatever and going, ooh, he's gorgeous. I don't normally follow them. <laughs> but I can appreciate a good-looking man. But I'm well, not I mean, going to I- fall for your little whatever you're doing there. <laughs> As a cis hetero male i can appreciate a good looking man as well i can women yeah who was it that i said i would buy him a drink and not kick him out of bed the other day 
I saw there there was some dude on the t- on the televisions that I saw, and I raised an eyebrow and made the statement that I would definitely buy him a drink and and not kick him out of bed because yeah I appreciated how gorgeous yeah. of an individual. See, that is um, Tina Turner for me. Just so everybody knows that again, I would <laughs> definitely buy her a drink and not kick her out of bed. So then, let me ask this: in in media, in our media zeitgeist. There we go with my five dollar word again. Zeitgeist. <laughs> In our media zeitgeist, what would you consider a is good queer representation? LG or uh, LGBTQ plus representation. What would you consider it is good? And let's do it this way. Let's start with film with movies. Ooh, okay. So good question. <laughs> it depends because there's a lot of. I guess I can go first. So like. In terms of cinema, and honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I think the one movie, if we're looking for that representation, like a good, accurate okay. depiction. Hold on before you answer. Uh-huh. Let, me clar- let me clarify. Are we talking mm-hmm. mainstream film? Yeah. Let's go mainstream okay. film. Yeah, okay. yeah, let's go mainstream film. Okay. Then I might have to, I might have to second guess the film. No, because it won an Oscar. But if I'm being completely honest, if you take all the factors in, like a good, re- I guess a good representation of the ups and downs, not just the positive, which we'll get into a little bit later. I guess Moonlight would be a, my best example for movie in terms of that, just because of the explores the relationship through the various stages of like young adolescence to mid adulthood to late adulthood of that kind of relationship. But the problem that I have is, is like with a lot of mainstream media movies that incorporate characters like that usually, and this is just me and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but like they tend to have like mostly be upbeat or positive, which then falls into the stereotypes and the tropes of all that stuff. But I feel like, Moonlight is the, for me at least, the best example. And then everyone likes to use Call Me By Your Name, which I thought was I. It wasn't like the magna opus that people claimed it to be. I was like, it was okay. Now, if we're talking about like on a younger scale, like if you're introducing people to the concept, if I'm being completely honest, though the writing was off the wall a little bit, the more recent iterations for me that I thought, because it was a good conversation starters with my students when it came out, was like Love, Simon. And then the subsequent series on Hulu, Love, Victor, which I really enjoyed just because I recognized a lot of the actors be like, hey, but like for me, those are like, at least for movies and TV shows, those are like my prime examples. I'm going to let Will talk and then we'll get into cartoons and music because I got a whole I got more to say on that one. Are we still in mainstream movies? We're still if you want, yeah. You kind of went all over the place. That's why I was like, "Are we? St- what are we doing? Are we doing mainstream movies?" Yeah, let's start with mainstream movies, and then from mainstream movies, you can kind of like seg into other other <laughs> filmographies, if you will. Okay, so here, okay, as a gay man looking at gay characters, see, my my criteria are completely different because I look at things like Heartstoppers, which was brilliant, and. And all and things like that. they were great showing like kids as they're coming out or as they're dealing with and it's hard to find movies where not necessarily people my age but people closer to my age you don't see a lot of it unless because you're gonna remember a long for the longest time gay people were either the campy neighbor who no one took seriously or they were the bad guy. 
gays couldn't be normal people. They either had to be super over-the-top, flamboyantly campy, or they had to be the murderer. And so when I look at gay characters today, one of the ones I will I'll point out, because I really I like the fact that we know the character's gay, but it's not that's not all they are. And that's the new Fantastic B series, and that's Dumbledore with Jude Law playing it. Is that we know the character is supposed to be gay, and we see it in the most recent sorry spoilers. We learn his and Grindelwald's relationship, and I felt that was like one of the most beautiful versions of a gay character that I have seen in a very long time, where being gay wasn't one wasn't all they were. It was part of who they were and that they could love someone like wholly and not feel shame. He didn't feel shame because it was Grindelwald, but this new Grindelwald was a bad dude. But so that was a really good one. And I have to say, if we go into television, I'm going to say Shit's Creek with, oh my God, why are the names escaping me? Good Lord. It drives me crazy. Come on, help me out here. Oh, David no. <laughs> and David, that was you, that was Daniel Levy, but what was the, his boyfriend? I can't remember. Anyway, I loved the juxtaposition of those two characters because here you had David who was out, he was very flamboyant, and then you had God, what was his name? It's gonna drive me crazy now. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. I'm running the YouTube. Oh, Patrick, <laughs> Patrick, that's it. And Patrick was like a subtle. You probably wouldn't have even know. At first, you didn't know. So, I think those are two great representations of the gay community. And I also have to you know. Then there's the characters that you are gay. What do you see? You're like, yeah, he's gay. No, he's not. Yeah, he's gay. Totally gay. He hangs out with all those dudes. He's gay. He's a rugby player. Come on now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. I think. But one of my favorite things about gay characters is the it's the gay character that no one knows is gay because they don't flaunt it. It's not that they're ashamed of it. It's just it's not who they are. It's part of who they are. And one of the biggest the one of the you know the one thing that I hear the most when people find out I'm gay is the one statement I hear the most. What's that? You don't is, look it. <laughs> you don't act gay. You don't act gay. I'm like. Okay, <laughs> so the idea of the, the ideal gay character is a misnomer because what defines the ideal gay character? I love like Jack from Will and Grace, and he talked about it. That's like super gay. Yeah, just Jack. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sean Hayes. Yes. Oh yeah, he's fantastic. So it's hard for me to. It's really hard for me to go. Oh, this is like ideal gay character. And I think this all and this kind of goes back to. And I know I'm getting off topic. Not really off topic, but I'm moving away from the topic, and we'll get right back to it. But the idea that there has to be one. So it's that box. Yeah. It's that box again. And not to negate the question by any means, because the question is a fun question, but. In, in the grand scheme of what we're talking, the topics that we talk about, it just, it seems that what is a gay person supposed to be like? And that's when you don't act gay. I'm like, what am I, how am I supposed to act as a gay man? Which is what I ask usually. And then they're like, all, oh. and I'm just like, 
It's yeah, this is like the Yah, the Yah's yeah. queen. It's, yeah, and it's like, no, it's like we're not all that way. We all have our moments, yes, but you can't put us all in one thing. So it's really difficult for me to pick characters because you know there are so many of them. And it's they're all beautiful in their own way. It's all that this is a great character because of this. And this one's a great character because of this. This one's fearless. And this character doesn't take shit off anybody. But then there's this one who who live their lives in the closet. And they're finally discovering that there's life outside of it. And they're discovering who they are for the first time. And that's beautiful. It's a beautiful moment. It's like you know, heartbreakers or heartstoppers with this character. So, oh, my gosh. He's discovering all these things about himself. And it's beautiful. And it's, but that's not all, that's not everybody. It's not all gay people go through that. So it's really, so it's really difficult for me to pick. That's why I'm like, oh God, I don't know. But if I had to pick, I guess I'd pick those folks. Yeah. That's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting too, because hi, the young one here, <laughs> but it's so interesting because especially given the line that I work with, I work with young adolescents in my job as a teacher and i try my best to stay up to date on everything that they're into and what they're going on because I want to be able to make that connection with them. And that what I'm noticing too is that as each generation comes through my classroom, it's so interesting to see. I don't want to say that they, this makes me sound curmudgeon but I don't want to say, but I feel like because there's so much out there for my students, like their idea of representation and what they feel is like a good like standard of certain nuances and things like that when it comes to all types of like ethnicities gender identities sexual orientations it might make me sound curmudgeon and a little bit bitter but i'm very happy for my students because there's a lot out there and i don't want to say it's easier for them but it's more accessible if that makes any sense And granted, I'm not that I'm not that far off. And it was as accessible when I was in middle and high school. But now you have so much, so much out there. Like, for instance, like, for instance, and this is just a shameless plug. Is it Heartbreak High that just recently came out? Uh, Yeah. So basically, like, just the cat, the characters that are for Heartbreak High on Netflix, I thought you think is really good. And, you know, the show is pretty good. You should go watch it. But just how nuanced it all is and like my sixth graders are able to talk about being like what non-binary means because there's a character that's non-binary there's a character that is asexual so explaining that to them and hearing them talk about what that means and all that stuff there's also a character and the actress herself is on the spectrum so like discussing all that i'm like there is so much accessibility for these kids i'm kind of listening sense because i'm like you got there's so much out there for them yeah oh i agree there's it's and I don't and I hate the word easier is the wrong word to say, but because it's never easy, but it is not as difficult to be gay now or trans or bi or lesbian than it was, hell, even five, ten years ago. Yeah. We've seen such huge strides in the world. And I think just recently, didn't Mexico just make gay marriage legal? Was it Mexico? I think it was Mexico just legalized gay marriage. Someone could check me on that, but I think it was Mexico. Which is a huge thing. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Especially from, as we were saying earlier, from the sort of Latin countries, because of that idea of men are men, because this isn't why men are men. Well, and, and, man is not man. It's, right. it's like, well, and also in, in dealing with those countries, you have a very strong and rabid religious base well, yeah. there, because that's what the colonizers shoved down their throats, and yeah. <laughs> that's what generations they yeah, they had to cling on to was yes. was Jesus Cristo and. Yep. And all that. And, so, remember, and remember, listeners out there, that the word homosexual wasn't in the Bible until 1945. Ooh, wait till we get to that episode. <laughs> but yeah, so really quick, so fact checks. Yes, it was. So this is was an article Mexico? that... Yeah, so Mexico. So what, it, what ended up happening is that parts of... So Mexico is divided up into 32 states. So some of those states had already legalized same-sex marriage. But it was this past October 2022 in which all of the states in Mexico now recognize same-sex marriage mm-hmm. as legal. So, yay Mexico! Yep. Which so truly, that is your truly yep. yay Mexico. Yeah, because of those reasons, because of the strong Catholic presence in Mexico. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a huge thing. That's for that sort of thing, which is fantastic. Truly, but yeah. oh yeah. Thank you, Mikey, for that fact check. You're welcome. <laughs> I we know strive. I said it was Mexico, right? I was like, oh, I hope I didn't mis- misspeak. And uh, listening yeah. audience, it's okay to admit when you don't know something. That's Absolutely. why between the three of us, we always make sure we present you with the facts. Because there's yes. enough of the world out there that is misconstrued, and we don't want to be one of those. Darn too. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, boxes are bad. Boxes so stop bad. putting people in boxes. Stop putting, you know, yourself in boxes unless you're building a fort. But otherwise, stay out of the boxes. Be your own person. Like who you like. Like what you like. Dislike what you like. Or dislike, rather. And don't conform. Truly. Your voice is the most powerful instrument you have. Use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it that, what is it from V for Vendetta? What is it? Ideas are bulletproof. It's one of my favorite. One of my favorites. One of my favorite things from that. The other that there's another quote from there that I love that people shouldn't be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Afraid of their people. Yeah. Oh heck yes! I, I love, love V for Vendetta. It's love, such a good. It's a great movie. That. That's all. We have a whole episode on that alone. <laughs> I'd love to see it. But gentlemen, I think this is an excellent place yeah. to wrap up this episode. Indeed. So from all of us here. At the divergence to all of you listening, thank you for tuning into another episode. Hopefully, you took away some points to have discussions within your own world of the region that you live in. And you know what? Conversations lead to learning and they lead to change. So I think this is an important. But until then, remember from all of us here at the divergence and Vibe Tribe Productions, remember everybody. Love each other, take care of one another, and keep having those conversations. Until next episode, from us here at The Divergence, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.